we're in week three of this message series that we've titled Necessary Sins. And if you weren't here, you're like, what the heck is a necessary sin? And Bill says, yeah, no sin's really necessary. But there are some things, you know, in our culture that people just have accepted. If you went back, this is a funny thing, if you went back 50 years ago, none of these things would be accepted. But sometimes culture will accept things that God says are dangerous to us. If you think about it, there's some things everybody would say was wrong. Murder's always wrong. You know, rape's always wrong. Uh, stealing's always wrong, unless it's from the IRS. And then, no, nah, that's a joke, guys. That's a joke. <laughs> that's wrong, too, believe it or not. God says, yeah, God says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and God what is God's. So just to clarify. But, uh, but there are a lot of things in our culture that people would say, well, I'm not sure they're wrong. God might say it, but if you ask me, they're more acceptable. They're just a part of life, that they're actually necessary. Well, today I want to talk about another of what many people would say is okay. But before we get going, let's pray the prayer that we've been praying this entire series. Powerful prayer from Psalm 139, 23 and 24. And honestly, don't just read this. Pray this. Pray this and ask God to do this for you. Search my heart, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. In Jesus' name, amen. Search us, God. Point out anything in us that offends you. And lead us on the way, the path of everlasting life. Well, the necessary sin I want to talk to you about today is not an easy topic. It's the L word, and we already did lying in week one. But today I want to talk to you about lust. Lust is something that the Bible warns us about, and yet in our culture it just seems to encroach just every area of our life. And a lot of people in our culture would say, you know, that's not a big deal. God kind of made us that way, didn't he? And all men just kind of battle with it. But I, w- I want to be clear, it's not just a man issue. Okay, we struggle a little more than you ladies, but women can fall for this temptation as well. In fact, according to an article in today's Christian Women magazine, the author, based on their study, found that about one in six women, including Christian women, struggle with addiction to pornography. And with men, that number goes up to about one in two struggle with some form of lust in their life. And if you have children... Age 12 to 17 is the number one demographic for pornography. You take any kind of mobile device, our phones, you don't think about a phone. I read this thing that said in Seattle, for the first time ever, there are more 16-year-olds that don't want to get their license than do. And I was like, what? 16-year-olds want to get their driver's license. Then they gave the reason. Because they'd rather watch the bus and get on their phone and go to these sites that we're talking about. And a lot of people would say, you know, this isn't hurting anybody. Why are you making such a big deal about it, Lenny? Some people, I mean, come on. I mean, this is just the way we are. God's wired us this way. And you know what? Let me tell you this. One time I spoke at a a kid's camp, high school kids, and uh, it was with another denomination. And I, I freaked them all out when I started out by saying, kids, I want you to know that God wants you to have sex. 
And all the parents and pastors went, oh, you know what I mean? And of course, I clarified that there are parameters. But let, let's be honest. God created sex. God created the desire for it. He said, be fruitful and multiply. But anything that God creates, our enemy takes and twists and makes something out of it that it's not supposed to be. As we were singing, sometimes this happens. I, I was thinking last night, and I got a couple of scriptures I want to add that I didn't put on the outline. But, but as we were singing, I had this thought, and it's true. Why does God not want us to go there? Why does God say, no, don't do that, when he's created this desire? And here's the reason. True love is so much greater than lust. True love is so much greater than lust. And God wants something better for you. It's not that he's holding out. It's like, no, 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 no. But sometimes we go and we accept the counterfeit. We accept the lesser than. And people go, Lenny, why are you making such a big deal out of it? Well, you know what? Jesus made a big deal out of it. These are words of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's one of the top ten, ten commandments. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And women, that goes for you too when it comes to men. Everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in her heart. That's a high standard. And I mean, that's one that uh, I'll just pick on the men. That's one we've all failed at. Can we say that? And that's one that every pastor has failed at. I mean, that's a high standard. According to Jesus, looking lustfully is equal to committing adultery. Well, why? Why? Well, well James, the brother of Jesus, said this. Temptation comes from our own desires, which, watch this, entice us and drag us away. That's huge, this dragging us away. What's it dragging us away from? The true path that God wants us on. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when his sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Death of what? Well, death of purity, death of intimacy, death of trust in a relationship, and ultimately spiritual death. When temptation is left unchecked, it grows into actions. In fact, this word entice is a fishing term. It's very interesting. It's a fishing term. Imagine there's some bait on the hook, and that which leads us to lust is our spiritual enemy's bait. Just imagine, here we are swimming through life, and the devil and his cast, they're throwing these things out. And we're going, ooh, that looks good. The problem is, if you bite on it, you get dragged away. He drags you away from the path that God wants you on from the high standard that God has for your life. In fact, the Greek word that's translated entice is deliadzo. It means to entrap. It means to allure, entice, or hooked. Well, how do we get hooked? Well, we live in a sinful world, and there's, there's a process that we go through that gets us hooked. And I'm going to dive right in with number one. Number one, we're exposed. We're exposed. I don't know how you first got exposed, but for men my age, there wasn't a whole lot of video going on, but there was always some kid in the neighborhood with a stack of magazines. Some of you can relate to that. Some of you men are shaking your head, yeah, it was Billy or Bobby or whoever it was. 
When I was a little kid, we're like in fifth grade or something. We're pretty innocent people, kids. And then, you know, we're looking at these things and these images, and it's like, wow, it's attractive. But it's also something that a kid that age should never have to see. We get exposed. Well, after you're exposed, what happens then? When you get exposed, number two, we get injured. We get injured because you're not supposed to see things like that when you're a little kid. Something in your thought process is not the same. Something in your heart's not the same. Something in your soul's not. You're exposed to this impurity, and then you sustain an injury of the heart, the soul, and the mind. And then lastly, we're confused. Now, it can be confusing. If you're like a lot of people, you simultaneously feel this sense of enjoyment and shame. You know, I like this. You don't do what you don't. I like it, but then I feel guilty. You're like Paul in Romans 7. What I want to do, I, I don't do. And those things I don't want to do, I do. There's this struggle. And sometimes, you know, you might have, if you're like me, and I'm speaking from myself as a confession. I'm not talking down to you. I would never do that. That's not the way that I teach from the Bible. Because when I teach, usually I'm like, oh, this is about me. But like for me, there have been long periods where everything's good. It's like I have sexual sobriety. And then, you know, something happens or I see something. And then it, it can be where my mind goes places that, that I get in real trouble. Well, what happened? It's I'm confused. You get exposed, you get injured, and then you get confused. And I've heard people say, hey, I'm single, but when I'm married, this problem's going to go away. Well, let me tell you from experience, those people that struggle when they're single, if they don't do anything about it, they tend to struggle when they're married as well. And some people say, well, I just have a passion problem. It's not a passion problem. You're dealing with an injury that's not been healed. You've been wounded by your spiritual enemy and your mind and heart and soul is changed and you just have yet to be healed. Listen to this real confession I'm going to read you and see if you identify the pattern of exposure, injury, and confusion. This is a real confession from a real woman. I'm a wife and a mother and a Christian who masturbates and views porn online. I'm so ashamed, yet it seems so totally separate from who I am. I want to be free, but I also enjoy it while being sickened at the same time. Now that I've confessed it, I'm going to go and vomit. Confusion. I mean, you can hear this, the injury, the confusion, the wound along the way. What do we do? Do we justify it and just say, oh, this is part of life. This is just, you know, the way I am. Or do we believe that because Jesus says it's wrong, and that Jesus declares if we know him, we can be free. Do we just surrender to it, or do we believe that there's something better? Well, we know in Christ there is better. We know in Christ there is better. This is an action step that I've given you that works not just with this, but with anything that you might be struggling with in your life as it pertains to sin. Here it is. We don't surrender to it. We surrender it to Jesus don't surrender to it we surrender it to jesus i have a dear friend who's been in ministry many many years and before he got hired by a church and went on staff uh, he was serving in the church and he was on fire for jesus but he had a problem he smoked weed you know what i mean he had kind of quit the alcohol and the heavy drugs and 
but he just, you know, could not quit smoking. And his pastor called him in one day and said, so how's it going with this? And he goes, not real well. I'm just messed up. I guess I just can't do this. I just, I don't know. And you know what the pastor said to him? It was amazing. He said, listen, this is not your problem. He's like, what do you mean? Sure, it's my. He goes, no, this is not your problem. You belong to Christ. This is Christ's problem. You need to give Jesus this problem. You need to surrender this to him. And do you know he never smoked weed again? That was like 20 years ago. It's just amazing. But sometimes we try to provide the power to, to not. Sometimes we try to white knuckle it, and that just never works. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you don't do something, do this, this is better for it, and I'm not giving to give you the power to fulfill that. You see, when Jesus says, I want you to go here, he gives us the power to go there, and he gives us the power to resist it, but we have to surrender to him. We don't surrender to it, we surrender it to Jesus. And with all of my heart and every bit of faith that I have, I know there's something better and there's a way out. And I want to, to keep it as simple as I can, but give you a couple of words that will help heal us from the lustful womb. And the first word is protect. Protect. We're going to protect these wounds that we've all experienced. Um, when I was young, I was an aspiring motocross racer. You know, we had all our motocross bikes, not the engine bikes, but, you know, the little bicycle bikes, motocross, and we had the handlebars and the 10-speed seats and heavy-duty spokes and the knobby tires, and we didn't wear helmets because back then we didn't wear helmets. But we made a racetrack with berms and jumps and, and everything. And, in fact, there was a creek, a dried-up creek bed, but it was too, we, we were going, what are we going to do with this? Because the creek was too steep to go up. So we dug out a, a little alley into this creek, it down and up, but it was only one lane. Does that make sense? So we made it so it wasn't so steep. It was smooth. You could go down and up it, but you had to be single file. So I'm in the middle of a race, and I'm starting to pass about five bikes. You know what I mean? And I'm going up like this second, and then we come up to this creek bed. And I'm like, oh, man, in order for me to get in, I'm going to have to go back to sixth. Well, I'm kind of a risk taker. So I said, you know what? If I jump off the first part, I can land in front of everybody and go single file. I'll be in the lead. I'll probably win this race. Well, it was a great idea for a little while. <laughs> but I jumped it, and I almost made it. I was in the lead, and then I fell. And you know what happened to all the bikes that were behind me, right? And I, I don't know exactly how it happened, but this, I got this huge gash in my arm. I mean, long, deep, and wide. And, you know, we grabbed it, and they took me to my mom, and she ran me to the hospital. And, you know, they patched it up. But the doctor said this. He goes, listen. He goes, you have one assignment. This is the most important thing. The wound is so deep and so long, the only thing you need to do is protect this. Don't let it get opened. Don't let it get exposed because if it gets infected, this could be really bad. Here's my point. Some of us have been wounded. All of us have been wounded. We've seen things we shouldn't have seen. You know, you get excited, you justify it, and the next thing you're confused. And, you know, sometimes you, you just do these things. The problem is 
you've been injured, but God heals wounds, but you have to protect the wound in order for God to heal it. How do you do this? Psalm 119. How can a young person stay pure? Read this with me. By obeying your word. How can a young person stay pure? Isn't it interesting that this is just not a modern day question, but the same thing that was asked thousands of years ago. How can a young man stay pure? By doing what? By obeying your word. By protecting the wound. By guarding your purity. By keeping distance between you and that that would tempt you. Jesus said this in the, he taught it this way about protection. It's from Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? Cut it off. off? What Bible are you reading? Are you supposed to cut your hand or your foot off? Is that what it says? It does. It says cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and feet. Verse 9. Even if your eye causes you to sin, what do you do with it? Gouge it out. Throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of hell. Now, was he being literal in his analogy here? I'm kind of hoping not. Because if he was, there's going to be a lot of one-armed cyclopses walking into church next time we get together, right? <laughs> I remember one time this guy was arguing with us. He goes, that's literal. And I remember I was pastoring a church and I had an elder with me and we were trying to explain and he goes, that's literally went on and on. Jesus really actually meant. Then I whispered in the elder's ear and he laughed. And the guy goes, that's pretty rude. What would you say? I go, I just asked him, why, are you, why do you have two arms and two eyes if you think it's literal? In other words, you know what I mean? In other words, this is something that we all struggle with. Well, Jesus is not being literal. Uh, but what he's saying is this. When he says, if your hands... Offend you? Listen, he, this is what he's saying. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you do. If your feet offend you, don't literally. He says, be careful where you go. Be careful what you do. Be careful where you go. And if your eyes, be careful what you look at. It's a warning. He's just using this radical analogy, which he often did. He didn't mean maim yourself. He said, be careful what you do. Be careful where you go. And be careful what you look at. In other words, protect yourself. Protect your heart and your soul and your mind because you have this sinful nature. Keep a distance between you and anything that would hurt you. Protect the wound. Give it some time to heal. Now, I don't really know what you need to do to protect yourself, but I'm just going to give you a couple few things that, that I've done. Now, uh, when I got married to my wife, she, we had cable. And part of our cable package had this uh, channel called Hell's Box Office. <laughs> HBO. And, and I'm not, man, I'm not that critical, really, I'm not, of TV shows. I watch some risque stuff. Now, I do fast forward it. Here's where I draw the line, and I tell people all the time. If you start to get emotion, an emotional or a physical reaction, it might be time to fast forward or stop or look at something else. Because you're going into a dangerous place. But I remember my wife, there was some series on HBO. I couldn't get her to turn it off. 
I mean, we were even praying, me and the elders, that she would agree. Because, you know, I love April, and she wants to walk. if she wants it, she's going to have it. Well, it all came to a head on Saturday morning. You know, usually the, it used to be the risque things were late at night. 11 at night, you'd see some stuff. But not Saturday morning, 8.30 in the morning, HBO's on. No one's in the room. And I see this scene. I went and got my wife. I go, and our kids were little back then. I go, do you want them to see that? She goes, I'm cutting it off right now. HBO, Skinamax, we don't have any of that. I mean, let's face it, TV's just gotten bad. It really has. There's a show that I really like. It's called Designated Survivor. It's streaming on one of the things. And, you know, first season was good, second. And then it just got so, they started showing stuff that I just, I was like, I don't watch it anymore. I'm like, you know what? I liked the show and the concept. Why do they have to just put all that stuff in there that I know I don't need to see? And it's not that I'm some kind of a prude because I'm not. I play rock and roll drums. I play Led Zeppelin. I have fun. I go to Gator games. I'm not a prude. But listen, I need to protect my heart. I need to protect my soul. I need to protect my mind. I need to protect my kids. I need to protect my marriage and my relationship with Jesus. And there's places that he wants to take me that I know are better than where Satan wants to take me. I don't know for you. I know I have a friend. He's a pastor. And he will not book a room at certain hotels. Because on their TV, they have certain things you can buy. And I'm like, you'd never do that. He goes, I know I'm not because I'll never stay at that hotel. He just says, nope, not with me alone. No. He goes, I know myself. He admits I probably don't have enough strength not to do that, so I just don't go there. Certain people, I've heard them say, you know, this gym, I'm working out, and there's all these young ladies, and they're all in spandex, and I just had to find another gym. You know what I mean? And I don't know what that looks like for you. Uh, ladies, some men, I'm going to teach you something about women. Have you ever heard of romance novels? There's a reason why ladies like these romance novels, and if you read one, you'll find out why. Some of these stories are so graphic in detail. It's not pictures, but it's words that conjure up these, that take you a place you don't want to go. Now, some of you might be feeling really bad. I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Listen, struggling is not necessarily a bad sign. The fact that you're struggling is an indication that you haven't been defeated. There's still fight in you. What's bad is when you surrender and just give up and say, oh, well. If you're still struggling, what's happening is you're a sinful person like all of us, bent towards sin like all of us, who's not surrendered, and you're still fighting with the power of God. And you just need to learn to depend on his power, to give it all to Jesus, and he can help set you free. Why do we do this? I mean, why do we give in? Why do we look? Why do we fantasize? Part of my problem is memories of the past that I have to fight. Some people say, well, I'm bored. Well, you know what? You're settling for a counterfeit. You're giving in to something when God's got something so much better for you. It always comes down to an issue with trust with Jesus. Where Satan goes, come here. I got something good for you. And Jesus goes, are you going to trust me? I have something much better for you. True love is so much greater than lust. True love is so much greater. You know, there's a uh, proverb that says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And we have to guard ourselves. We have to protect us. 
We cannot settle for a counterfeit. And God doesn't want you to have fear of getting caught, fear of looking over your shoulder. He doesn't want you to have regrets. He wants you to have open, honest, trusting relationships where you can have intimacy. He wants something far better than that. But your spiritual enemy is out there casting these, these lures at you, the bait on a hook, hoping that you go for it so he can pull you away from the life of God. Now, I'll be honest, the times when I'm most vulnerable is when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Like when I get lazy about pursuing God or, you know, the relationship with him. And, and uh, remember David and Bathsheba? Yeah. David was what? He was a warrior for God. He was supposed to be leading his army into battle, but he was just kind of hanging out. And what happened when he was hanging out? Well, Satan goes, he's just hanging out. I got Bathsheba on the line. You know what I mean? I can relate to that so well. And he sees something, okay? And then he gets exposed, and then it just goes down the line where he gets exposed, he gets injured, he gets confused, and it gets real bad and real bad. And God wants something better for you. So remember, just stay on the path with God. And I'm just going to end it with this. This seems really, really simple, but I've done this, and it's the next verse. To go. This is something that Job said he did. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And if you're a woman, you can fill in with a man, just like on. I made a covenant with my eyes. And you know what? God's called all of us to make a covenant with our eyes, to just say, you know what? God, we're going to trust you. We're going to believe that you have something better. We're just going to give this to you. We're not going to surrender to it. We're going to surrender it to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, we're going to close our eyes. I'm going to pray. Let's do this. Let's do what Job did and made a covenant with our eyes so that we can experience all that God wants us to experience in our life, in our relationships, and with love. Pray with me. Father God, as often is the case, I preach about things that I've struggled with in my life. And Lord, this is definitely a battlefield that I have entered into too many times. Lord, uh, Job made a covenant with his eyes. And Lord, I pray that everyone that can hear my voice would make a covenant. We would make a covenant with our eyes. We would make a covenant with our eyes to you, Lord, and to one another. Lord, we are going to protect ourselves. Lord, we're going to be careful where we go, where our feet take us. We're going to be careful what we do with our hands on computers and devices. Lord, we're going to be careful with what we look at. Because, Lord, we know the enemy is out there trying to take us down and take us, pull us away from the things of God. And, Lord, we need your help to stay true, to stay pure. So, Lord, fill us with your spirit, guide and direct us. And, Lord, I pray that you would help, that you would deliver, that you would free up each and every one of us, Lord, that struggles with this thing. I trust you will, because I pray in Christ's name. Amen.